Hey, spooky people. Welcome back to Unknown Compelling Force with your hosts, Emily <laughs> and Marissa. Wait, you're Emily. And you're Marissa, right? Oh, I think so. <laughs> we got it figured out, y'all. Slowly. Slowly but surely. We are your home for all good spooky shit. Like paranormal. True crime. Cryptids. <laughs> <laughs> we got cryptids. We got aliens. We got conspiracy theories. Mm. We got... Urban legends. Urban legends. We got people doing weird stuff to dead bodies. Hint, hint. It's not a hint. I'm openly telling you. Oh, <laughs> I thought I was just going to be like, that's a hint for today's episode. Hint, hint. Here's the topic. <laughs> yeah. People doing weird shit to dead bodies. <laughs> um, anything you want to talk about beforehand? Any interesting stuff happening or um, any updates to give people? Well, we had an awesome party this past weekend. We did. We did have an awesome party. And what was the theme, Marissa? Uh, the theme was dads. <laughs> <laughs> so we had our dad barbecue where everybody showed up dressed as their dad or dressed as a dad. And we had a little backyard barbecue with like fucking games and yeah. drinks. And we had a fire after. And people really fucking committed. Oh, yeah. It was so fun. I looked exactly like my dad. She I did. I bought everything from Plato's Closet. I even drew the shirt because I couldn't find a Life is Good shirt. Yeah. So I just drew it on a yellow shirt. And, and of course, you're an exactly artist. Like, so it <laughs> that, would... that did help. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I think I won because I actually went to the store and paid money for an American flag t-shirt, which I never would do otherwise, <laughs> just to look like good old Jim. And I actually had his old Corona-themed Hawaiian shirt. The beer, not the virus. <laughs> and so I was actually wearing garments from my actual father, so I think that means I won. And you were really, like, Definitely. talking like a dad. You were really, yeah, you I were was. just in it. And I got to see two of my friends who live in other states. They yeah. both came, so that was really fun. One of them I haven't seen since I graduated college, like, three years ago. So That's crazy. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. It was great. It's just, very, it was very dad rock it was oh, music. You, you love dad rock. I love it. I, I love it. do identify as a dad. So You do. Yes. I'm a dad. You are. Thank literally. you. Literally. Instead of hot girl summer, Marissa's having drunk dad I summer. I am having drunk dad summer, but I don't actually drink that much. <laughs> you don't. But I had enough to be a drunk dad, okay? It doesn't happen that often, but it did. Yeah. I really peaked that day. It was awesome. However, in case you haven't heard, my voice sounds a little fucky-wucky. <laughs> At the party, we had watermelon. Of course. I was eating a piece of watermelon and somehow inhaled a piece, like, up into my nasal passage. Oh, Jesus. And it's like, it was stuck there for a few days. It might still be there. It might have gotten sucked down into my lungs and causing this weird chest pain. The point is, my throat doesn't feel great. Mm. So if my voice is more irritating than normal, well... I'm doing my best here. It's just a little scratchy, and I think that's dedication to, you know, still get this out there. Dedicated to the pod. Yeah. So I said that our hint hint, which was just us me straight up telling you what it's going to be, uh, people doing weird shit to dead bodies. I don't know how else to make that, like, a nice, concise, cute title. So if no. you're listening to this, I hope the title's nice, because I can't think of anything. Yeah, no, it's just weirdos doing weird shit. Yeah, this is gonna be pretty morbid, just so you know. Oh yeah, trigger warning. I'm not, I mean, I guess this is technically true crime, but it's also just, like, fucked up weird shit. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I think both of ours are true crime technically, but they're just I mean, it is, weird. I guess, a crime. It's just more fucking weird than anything, <laughs> and gross. Yeah. So, I'm ready for you to get started, because I, right. you told me vaguely what yours is, but I don't, yeah. I'm... Pumped to hear the fucking weird-ass details. It's very interesting, the sort of case I'm bringing to you guys today. Sort of kind of recent. Is it really? Yeah, mid-2000s is when <gasps> he was convicted. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I, thought, I just assumed this was like an old thing. No, not at all. And okay. like, there's some recent sort of updates that we'll talk about from last year. So, it's still something that's being talked about. Okay, it's it's a little more relevant than mine, because mine's pretty yeah. old. Yeah, yours is. <laughs> yeah. So, this takes place in Russia. The dude I'm going to talk about today, and sorry if I butcher his name, is Anatoly Moskvin. Nice. And I'm just going to call him Anatoly. He was born on September 1st in 1966 in Soviet Russia, when it was Soviet Russia, He's Russian, and he's 
a linguist and a philologist, someone who studies languages. Okay. And a historian. So this dude is, he's a smart guy. Okay. He's apparently been obsessed with cemeteries since he was like 12 years old. So right there, it's a little like, hmm, okay. Listen, some people like cemeteries. I mean, that's true. Like, I freaking love Mount Hope Cemetery. Sorry, I forgot the name. (laughs) You love it so much, you forgot the name. (laughs) That place is so gorgeous. So he's sort of been obsessed with cemeteries since he was like 12 years old. And he said that he would wander through the cemeteries with his friends, which I feel like Okay, that's something kids do. Yeah. Not that's a, a preteen activity. Definitely. And he attributes his obsession with the dead to this certain situation that occurred when he was about 12. He said that he had witnessed a funeral procession of an 11-year-old girl. And allegedly, he said that he was forced to kiss the girl on the head. Mm. And he wrote that. Quote, an adult pushed my face down to the waxy forehead of the girl in an embroidered cap. There was nothing I could do but kiss her as ordered. What the fuck? Yeah. That's uncomfortable. Yeah, so I can kind of see the trauma behind that. Yeah. But then he becomes obsessed with the dead anyway. Uh, Trauma's weird. Very frequently, it makes you super against and have a really negative reaction towards whatever your trauma is associated with. But sometimes it makes you, like, weirdly obsessed with it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. As, like, a control type thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I was thinking of sexual assault. Yeah. Stuff like that. That's exactly what I was thinking, is, like, a lot of victims of rape and sexual assault become, like, hypersexual. Yep. As, like, a way to maybe not overcome it, but, like, be in more control of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because now they're the... Like, subconsciously, but... Quote, unquote, alpha. That's a weird word to put it, but... (laughs) (laughs) They're in control. Yeah. So that does, yeah, that makes sense. So Anatoly, he graduated from the philological department of Moscow State University, and he became very well known in academic circles. Like I said, he was a super smart guy. Right. His main interests were language and linguistics, as well as Celtic history and folklore. And like I said, he had a very strange interest in cemeteries, but he was also very interested in like burial rituals, death in general, and the occult. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Along with, like, stuff in the occult sort of area, he was very interested in, like, magic and stuff. And he kept a large doll collection, as well as a shit ton of books. I read that, like, in his apartment, he had over, like, 30,000 books in there. Oh, my God. See, here's the thing. When you're talking about him being super interested in, like, death and death rituals and the occult and magic, I'm like, I mean, that's weird. But not that weird. That stuff's no. interesting. But yeah. then you said doll collection, and I said, okay, hold on. Yeah, there <laughs> it, there starts to be some red flags. <laughs> Why is the doll collection the red flag for me and not the obsession <laughs> with death and the occult? <laughs> Maybe because we're also kind of morbid. But, like, I feel like those are things that are interesting to study. Oh, definitely. But, like, dolls are creepy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know a lot of people who collect, like, American Girl dolls, but they're, like, they have stories and, like, history yeah. that goes with them, and they're not... As far as dolls go, they're not creepy ones. No. My grandma collected porcelain dolls. Fuck that shit. Ugh, so did um, my good friend from high school who I don't like. Her sister would collect them. Yeah, her sister <laughs> would collect them, and she would have them on, like, a really high shelf yep. towards the ceiling all around her room. Stop. And I'd be like, no, nightmares. I love having one million eyes watch me all the time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and, yeah, so Anatoly really liked... Dolls. <laughs> and he can speak 13 languages. Holy shit. This man. Yes, he's a very smart man. He has written several books, papers, and translations, which are also well known in the academic circles. Wow. And he has also regular, regularly contributed to local papers and publications. And co-workers and people that knew him described him as a genius. Yeah, I mean, based on what you've said, that, that sounds right. Yeah. They said, yes, okay, he was he's eccentric, but a lot of very smart people are eccentric. Yeah. They're either really eccentric or really dull. Yeah. There's no, like, normal. Yeah, it's very strange. He lived a very secluded life before he was arrested. He <laughs> never married or dated. He preferred to live with his parents, and even up until the time he was arrested, he was living with his parents. Okay. Anatoly describes himself as a necropolist. 
and was considered an expert on local cemeteries around where he lived. And I had to look that up. Love it. And necropolis is a cemetery. So I assume that a necropolis means someone who is very well versed with yeah. cemeteries. A cemeteryist. <laughs> I like wish, I wish the they movie, just said that. <laughs> like the movie Secretariat, but it's cemeteries. <laughs> Is that about a horse? I think so. <laughs> so, in 2005, someone had commissioned him to summarize and list all the dead in more than 700 cemeteries in the region. That's interesting. Yeah. And he claimed that between 2005 to 2007, he had gone on foot to inspect... 752 cemeteries, walking up to 18 miles a day. Wow. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool, though. Yeah. Like, just, like, wandering around a cemetery, which a lot of them are, are pretty. Mm-hmm. Just, like, wandering around a cemetery, just writing down all the names, spending some nice time outside. Yeah. That's well, all you had to do, it's really. it's Russia. Is it cold? Never mind. Yeah, that's a good fucking it. question. I have no clue. <laughs> if it's cold, I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> Is Russia cold all year long? Oh, no. I mean, here's the thing. Russia is enormous. There are obviously a lot of parts of Russia that are cold all year round, but I don't know where this guy was. This is sort of kind of near Moscow. Okay, so so maybe not. Yeah. But it makes sense that he would be commissioned to do that. He knew a lot about the cemeteries around where he lived, and it was probably an easy thing for him to do. Yeah. And he said that during these walks, he would drink from puddles, and he would spend nights in abandoned farms, or just sleep in the cemeteries. Oh, never mind, this got weird. (laughs) Yeah, because since, I'm assuming he didn't drive since he was walking all this time, so it's not like he could, like, drive home after he was done. He would just, you know, instead of paying for a hotel. (laughs) Oh, no, I thought he was just, like, driving to cemeteries and writing down the names and then going home no never mind no (laughs) that sounds like too much commitment oh this man was very committed to the dead he also said that he spent a night in a coffin one time that was (laughs) being prepared for a funeral i will say that was probably more comfortable than just sleeping on the grounds of the cemetery yeah probably well (laughs) so if you had the opportunity like if you had to sleep in a cemetery would you sleep in a casket that was being prepared for a funeral? No. You'd sleep on the ground? Yeah. <laughs> I make friends with the bugs. They make some comfy comfy caskets. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have had that thought, this thought, but why? I know, right? Like, don't worry, I made this coffin, this nice place for this inanimate object, nice and cozy. Why do the dead people need pillows? Well, that's to prop their head up so that they look comfortable when people are viewing them. And stuff. Do they get rid of it when they bury you? No. Okay. So then why do they have it? <laughs> it's just for like a show thing, but then afterwards they're like, don't worry, this is satin lined. And I'm like, can <laughs> okay. I get some like cotton jersey sheets, please? <laughs> Cuddle me up in my fuzziest blanket, yeet me into a hole, and move on. Just fucking turn me into a tree. That's what I want. That does sound dope. Don't fucking bury me. There's too many cemeteries already truth put me in one of those new orleans ones where they're super environmentally friendly and after you've turned to soup they just shove you to the side and put a new one there <laughs> just push you to the back <laughs> that's what they do i think it's genius frankly so yeah right right over here we got about 30 different people in this one little for real apartment there, there are like generations and generations of dead bodies in one little stone house man i think it's smart as fuck <laughs> Nola knows what they're doing. Anyway, I keep interrupting. <laughs> no, it's okay. So, obviously, people were starting to be like, yo, this dude's really hanging around these cemeteries. Like, mm-hmm. what is he doing there? And police did have questioned him a few times during this whole commission thing he was doing about, like, vandalisms and thefts, but they never really found any reason to charge him. Like, there's right. no proof that he was doing anything. He was there He's just for- being weird. Yeah, he was there for work, so it's not like they could prove he was vandalizing something unless they saw him do it. Right. And Alexei Yesin, who was an editor of a paper called Necrologies, which Anatoly regularly contributed to, he... I'm sure. (laughs) Duh. He said that he has the unpublished work from this commission from Anatoly, and he said that he read it and states that 
quote, unique and priceless. And it's not published anywhere, so I think he only he's the only one that has a copy of this. He even stated that he was sure that the police had made a mistake when they eventually arrested Anatoly in 2011. So he was sure that, like, the police would be like, oh, shit, sorry, wrong guy, and let him go. But, right. Spoiler alert, no. Twas him all along. <laughs> and he said that, like, while, yes, Anatoly was a loner and a bit weird, there's never anything to, like, indicate that he was doing anything wrong. So right. there was never any, like, red flags. He was just eccentric. Yeah. But he was wrong. Wrong. In late 2011, police began investigating a bunch of grave desecrations that were happening in local cemeteries. And eventually they did, obviously, narrow in on Anatoly as a suspect. And they went to his home to speak to him because they're like, dude, you've been hanging out in all these cemeteries and all the cemeteries that you've been to have been desecrated. So what's the deal, man? Yeah. What's going on there? They asked to enter his home and he let them. The police found 26 child-sized bodies all around his apartment encased in these weird sort of big dolls. Like, I don't know. I'd say they... Bigger than American Girl dolls. Like, they were pretty big. Well, yeah. They're like child size. If there were dead children in them. Yeah. They're like child size. Jesus. Wait. What the... (laughs) Yeah. And... Explain. (laughs) Explain yourself. (laughs) All these bodies, like I said, were encased in these life-size dolls that he had made himself. So the the bodies were inside the yes. dolls? Yes, and I'll go into more about his yeah. process Okay. later, because um, it's So it he was, like, process. digging up these bodies? Yes. Okay. Yes, 100%. Police took video footage, like, going through the house, and you can find that online. There's pictures of the dolls. There's pictures of... Yeah, we'll definitely post them on the Insta. Yeah, there's pictures of some of the bodies, which I think is kind of wrong, but they have that, and they took video, and it shows all these dolls seated in different areas of the home, like, just Mm -hmm. amongst books and other sorts of clutter. Like, they'll be sitting on a couch as if they're, like, a real person. And they also found other items that prove that Anatoly was the one desecrating graves, other than, you know, these dolls. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They found, like, metal nameplates from headstones and stuff, and they (gasps) also found instructions for making the dolls. Cemetery maps and photographs of open graves and bodies. Okay, that's pretty damning evidence right there. 100%, yeah. Sorry, I'm just Googling the pictures right now. Yeah, they're really fucking weird. Oh my god. Yeah. Wait, so are they inside the dolls or are they themselves the dolls? No, they're inside the dolls and I'll I'll go into how he went about doing this. So right away... Anatoly was very cooperative with the police, and he told the investigators exactly what he did, and he said that he had been making those dolls for over 10 years at this point. Oh, my God. And like I said in towards the beginning, he lives with his parents. Yeah. And his parents were away a lot. I think they traveled a lot, but somehow they just didn't think it was weird. Uh. Like, his mother literally said, quote, We saw the dolls, but we did not suspect there were dead bodies inside. We thought it was his hobby to make such big dolls and did not see anything wrong with it. They're super fucking creepy, though. Yeah, and I I do want to say I think it's kind of strange for an older man to be creating these life-size, child life-size dolls. Well, there are people who do it, like, as an art form. Like, my mom, when I was a kid, she had a co-worker. Have you ever seen pouting dolls? No. They're, like, okay, so it's, like, a thing that I guess was only popular maybe in, like, the early 2000s, but that when your child outgrew some clothes, Mm -hmm. you would use, like, an outfit that they wore a lot to Mm -hmm. turn it into, like, a little stuffed doll and put a hat on it and make it look like it was pouting in the corner. Oh. And it was kind of like a keepsake. Mm Mm-hmm. A very creepy one that I hated. Yeah, what the fuck? I don't know if my mom still has mine, but it's, like, this little doll that looks like it's, like, pouting in the corner, like, with its, like, face turned towards the corner with a little backwards hat on it and stuff. (gasps) Wait. With, like, an outfit of mine from when I was, like, four. So my mom had the doll. It's, like, a little keepsake of, like, your child outfit that they wore a lot when they were a kid. And it's, like, you know, people make dolls. I get it. But, like, looking at those dolls, whoa. And to, like, have them sitting around the house. And that many of them. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. 
Uh, you guys got to see the pictures of the dolls to fully understand. Oh, we'll, yeah. We'll post them on the Instagram. They're going to uh, be or, up. Or just Google it. it. It's That's, oh, they're creepy. I mean, most dolls are, but these are <laughs> excessively. It's, I mean, they're homemade, so I don't know how much we would expect, but. <laughs> well, some people are good at making homemade dolls, just not this guy. <laughs> Anatoly, obviously, was ultimately charged for the desecration of graves. It was pretty damning with all the stuff yeah. that he had in his house. Also charged for desecration of the dead bodies, and he was accused of defacing the graves of Muslims, which yeah. obviously is a hate crime, but that charge was later dropped. I don't know if they were, like, not able to prove it or something. Yeah. Anatoly underwent a psychic evaluation, I think probably before the trial even began, because people were like, yeah. hmm, something seems a bit strange, because he is telling the police everything. He's cooperating fully. He's telling them exactly what he did. And it seems like he doesn't see what he did like was he, wrong. Yeah, he didn't understand what the issue was. Yeah. That is, yeah. So they gave him a psych eval, and they concluded that he had some form of paranoid schizophrenia. Okay. Which I'm struggling to understand the idea of the paranoia, but we'll talk about that at the end because I do want to talk about his motives behind what he was doing and his beliefs about why what he was doing to was him okay. was right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. The hearing was in May of 2012 and he was deemed unfit to stand trial because of this diagnosis and he was instead sentenced to coercive medical measures. <laughs> I guess. So that meant that he was being he was sent away to a mental health facility where every couple of years he was reevaluated to see if there were any changes, mm -hmm. and I think they wanted to treat him and gear him towards being able to be released back into society. Right, yeah. But, I mean, obviously there's a lot of issues with that, and every time he got reevaluated, doctors were like, no, I don't think that's a good idea to let him out. You're right. So around, like, 2015, they decided not to give him a trial because of, all these evaluations and stuff and continue he was continuing to show that he was still unfit to stand trial like nothing changed interesting and in september of 2018 doctors ruled that anatoly could do outpatient care from home but other psychiatrists found it to be er too early to release him and give him that sort of freedom okay so he was sent back and i'm sure a lot of people were very upset with the idea of that because outpatient he could stay home and just go for when he needs to see his psychiatrist and stuff and so he has freedoms there yeah you know to go dig up more yeah. dead little girls yeah literally so when the police were searching for a motive for like why he was doing this <laughs> anatoly said that he felt a lot of sympathy for the dead children and he thought that they could be brought back to life with either science or black magic oh god yeah, so like I said, this guy's very smart. He knows a lot about Celtic folklore as well as other sorts of uh, cultural backgrounds and stuff. And he's smart in the way where I'm sure he believes a lot in science. So Yeah. And, and magic is just science we don't understand yet, so. Yeah, there we go. And being an expert on this Celtic culture, he learned that ancient druids would sleep on graves to communicate with the spirits of the dead, and this is sort of where he started to get that idea of, like, chilling and sleeping in graveyards. Yeah. And he discovered also that the ancient Yakuts of Siberia had a similar practice, and I'm sure many, many other cultures had things like that. And so he would actively search the obituary for children that had recently passed, and when he found the one that, quote, spoke to him <laughs> he would sleep on their grave to determine if their spirit wanted to be brought back to life okay and he insisted that he never duck, dug up a child without the permission from the child first <sighs> okay yeah well, so his well, whole thing was like i slept on their grave and they told me they didn't want to be dug up i wouldn't dig them up um, and there's the schizophrenia yeah but okay yeah Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's not the direction I expected it to take. But I, know, it, that, right? I like it, though. I know. It's very different. As he grew older, sleeping on the graves became very painful, and he decided to bring the bodies home to be more comfortable. Yummy. <laughs> and he also thought that, like, by doing this, the spirits of the children would be more willing to speak with him. Yeah. Since they are in, like, a safe 
home mm-hmm. and they're not underground anymore. So he thought maybe they'll I'll be able to hear them more easily. Yeah, they'll be more willing to talk to me if I kidnap them from their nice little dirt nap yeah. and put them on my couch. And they're not six feet under all this dirt so I can hear them That's better. what every dead child wants is for a strange man to unearth them and bring them to his creepy house full of other dead children. And clutter. Yeah. <laughs> so, to talk a little bit about his process. Yeah, tell me about that. Anatoly researched mummification methods and techniques so that he could try to preserve the bodies, obviously. Right. And he dried the bodies using a combination of salt and baking soda, and then he put the bodies in, like, super dry places around the cemeteries. So he would bring them back so they could dry out. (laughs) Yummy. And then, once they were dried, he would bring them back home and use various different methods of making these dolls. And he wanted to try to give the children functional bodies that they could use for when he eventually found a way to bring them back to life. Because he... He believed so he that was he could just do like it. kind of preserving them and making them look presentable until he figured out a way to reanimate them. Yeah, like he fully believed that he'd be able to do it eventually. Oh, okay, so I assumed that the doll making process was his idea of bringing them back to life, but that yeah. was just the mid step until yeah. he got to the magic, which yeah. he wasn't. He clearly was not there yet, but he yeah. was working on it. Mm-hmm. All right, he felt that. Their remains were too decayed and ugly for them to live comfortably and happy, and that's sort of why he made these dolls. Okay. And since the, like, bodies shrink up as they dry out, he would stuff the dolls, like, their limbs with, like, cloth and stuff to make them more full. Yeah. And he would add, like, wax masks decorated with, like, nail polish and stuff, and he would dress them up in super bright colored clothings and, like, wigs and stuff. Okay. Anatoly has said that he's aware that what he was doing was a crime, but he felt that the dead children were, quote, calling out to him, asking to be rescued, and he felt that rescuing the dead children was more important than obeying the law. Legality does not line up with morality quite frequently. Unfortunately, though his morals may have been in the right place that he genuinely thought he was helping these kids and... Mm -hmm. and doing them a favor by trying mm-hmm. to, like, save them, you, you got a good mix of crazy in there, too. Yeah. That's why I find this case so interesting, because it's like, this man didn't have nefarious intentions. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's morally, it's very Which, fucked when, up. Which, when you hear of an older man digging up the bodies of children and keeping them around his apartment, your mind goes to the worst places. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's sad. Yeah. And another motive to what he was doing was that he said that he always wanted a child, like, more specifically, he's always wanted oh. a daughter, and he has regretted never having children, mm-hmm. and he, in the past, had even attempted to adopt a girl, even though his parents were like, no, you can't do that, and it doesn't matter anyway, because his application was denied to his due to his low income. Okay. And he has always denied any sexual, like attraction to the dolls or any like sexual intentions with the dolls saying saying that he saw them as his children and he spoke to them sang to them and even held birthday parties and like holiday parties for them Mm -hmm. like he would mark down their actual birthdays you know from like their graves and actually celebrate their birthdays now as of like 2020 last year it seems that Anatoly is trying to work towards getting released from the psychiatric hospital because apparently he has a pretty young girlfriend that he wants to go live with. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And... Oh, no. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, I don't even know what to say to that. And he refuses to apologize to the parents of the children because he very firmly believes that what the parents did was wrong. By Me- burying meaning, their yes. dead child. Yes. Wow. Yes. You so, lost me, buddy. Yeah, so that's, like, the most recent stuff about him is that he, him refusing to apologize to the parents mm-hmm. because he just feels like burying them was wrong. What does he have to wrong. apologize for? Yeah, because he just feels like what he's doing or what he did mm-hmm. was with the best intentions. He wanted to bring them back to life, and he felt like that he was going to be able to do it. Yeah. So that, I feel like, I don't know, it's just... This whole case is kind of difficult because, yes, he is sick 
like mentally he has some right. stuff going on. But none of his intentions were evil or bad. They were just in society's eyes fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, validly. Yep. Wild. Yeah. I mean, honestly, from this case, just the very little that you told me before right now, mm-hmm. I, like I said, expected it to go in a much yeah. darker direction. I mean, that's, digging up little kids' bodies is pretty dark, but I expected it to be a lot more malicious and exactly. a lot more upsetting. Yeah. Which makes it oddly similar to my case, mm. what, which we'll get there. Like, listening to yours, there are a lot of very direct parallels to mine. In, like, intention-wise? Intentions-wise, logistics-wise, mm-hmm. kind of interesting. But So, do you think that this Anatoly guy, do you think that with proper treatment and medical attention that he could be re-enter society no he's like 65 now or something no if he's 65 and he's still denying that what he did was wrong even to the point of refusing to apologize to these kids parents there's not much stopping him from doing it again and while his victims i guess are he's not harming anybody he's not going out to hurt somebody it's still something that you cannot fucking do that. Mm-hmm. The the poor parents. Yeah, exactly. The poor parents who lost their child, who I can't even imagine the kind of heartbreak that that is. Like, mm-hmm. there's, the, you know, people say there's literally no word for a parent who's lost a child. Mm-hmm. They're already going through such a horrible, horrible thing. And then to find out that their child's grave was desecrated. Yeah. Like, what kind of fucked up person does that? And then they find out. They find out that their kid's body wasn't even in that grave anymore. The grave yeah. that they were visiting, like, they, yeah, their they, body was, was not there. And then they find out the motive behind it all, and it's like, okay, well, maybe you didn't do it with ill intentions, yeah. but you still dug up our kid's body. And like, you're kid blaming who us. Who we're trying to lay to rest peacefully yeah. so that we can move on with our lives mm-hmm. and be at peace with this and that our child's spirit presumably could be at peace. And mm-hmm. then... You just had our kid's body in your living room. Yeah. And then you're telling us that we're horrible people because we buried our children, which is and has been normal. Yeah. For centuries. Yeah. Buddy, read the room. (laughs) Honestly. And I, I feel like. Read the graveyard, buddy. (laughs) I feel like he just, he just can't see that. And I think that's a very good point, especially since it's been years now he's been in a mental facility and there hasn't yeah. been change like change as in him recognizing and accepting that what he did was wrong right and, because and he recognizes it but he thinks that morally what he did was right because he was he believes he was rescuing children right and so there's that piece and that means that he's showing since he's showing no remorse mm-hmm. and there's absolutely nothing from stopping him from doing it again oh yeah there's there's no part of him saying, okay, I recognize what I did was wrong. I'm not necessarily sorry, but I get that it upset people, so yeah. I won't do it anymore. He's seems like he's very much willing to do it again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. It's very much like I'm still right. Right. Even though I know that it's not right. <laughs> cool motive. Still fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just have questions right. for his so-called girlfriend. You have a lot of questions, but mostly what the fuck? <laughs> Sis? Russia is sis, the answer. Sis do better. First of all, don't be racist towards <laughs> Russians. They bring us lots of lovely things. I'm pretty sure she's really young, too, so... Oh, no. Like, in her 20s. Oh, no. So, I don't know. What is it with millennials being obsessed with serial killers and other weird, fucked-up persons of crime? Anyway. Anywho. Does everyone know what time it is? <gasps> Dad, Dad joke intermission! But um, but um, dad joke time is my favorite time. I think we need some humor to lighten the mood after that fucked up shit. Definitely. All right, can I go first? Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't you wear glasses when you play football? Mm, why? Because it's a contact sport. <laughs> also, because if you get tackled, they could break. <laughs> But that's not what the joke says. That's not the point. That's just logic. <laughs> this is just 
a question that needs an answer. Okay. If two vegans get in a fight, is it still considered beef? <laughs> Wait, let me text my friend. <laughs> oh, did you see that thing that somebody knew someone who was a vegan, but his name was Hunter, so they called him Gatherer? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Was that on Twitter or something? I Probably. saw that somewhere. <laughs> All right, this one's just for me. <clears throat> what do you call someone who isn't a dad, but makes dad jokes? I don't know. A faux pas. <laughs> faux like fake. Yeah, I get it. That's cute. <laughs> Thank I'm, not, you. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> Alright, one more? Yes. I'm going to do this one because it's very uh, relative to our topic of today. Love it. And it's just a one-liner. I don't really call for funerals that start before afternoon. I guess I'm just not a morning person. <laughs> this is a good one. Well, that was a lovely dad joke intermission. That was a good one. I love me some dad jokes. Me too. Are you ready to move on to a weirdly similar topic? I'm so ready. This is going to be interesting. I'm really excited for this one. I've wanted to do this one for a while, so I'm glad that we found topics that could at least go together yeah. so I could do this episode because I really wanted to. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have done really weird shit with bodies, but ours somehow are similar. They're bizarrely similar considering neither of us knew each other's yeah. story. Yeah, I didn't know about yours when you were telling me about it. Yeah, either, and I so. didn't know about yours. So. <laughs> That's fucking weird. I know. So, okay. Anyway, let's right, get right into Carl Tanzler mm-hmm. and his literal corpse bride. Now I just want to watch that movie. I've never seen it. And her name is Emily, the corpse. Really? Bride. Yeah. Of course. Was she white? She was blue. Uh, oh, that was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think in life she was white, but she was dead, so she was blue. Wow, a white girl named Emily? No, not one of those. Never. Those don't exist. <laughs> By the spoonful. <laughs> anyway, so the thing is, this story of Carl Tanzler is one of the most fucked up, toxic, creepy men stories in history Mm -hmm. to ever be labeled a hopeless romantic yikes i cannot stress enough this is not a fucking love story yikes on several fucking bikes literally so many bikes (laughs) just full of yikes oh no before we get into his creepiness just like his basic early life he was born carl tanzler or george carl tanzler they're not really sure in germany on February 8th, 1877. So this was a long, yeah, this was a long ass time ago. He's had a lot of names. He's constantly changing his name. Like I said, he was born George Carl Tanzler, they think. Maybe mm-hmm. just Carl Tanzler with a K. Mm-hmm. They're not sure. His marriage certificate has his name as George Carl Tanzler with a C. Okay. His U.S. citizenship papers were signed by Carl Tanzler von Kossel. And other records that he had were signed by Count Carl Tanzler von Kossel. Holy he was shit. not a count, first of all. <laughs> he was just an eccentric. Uh, so as a child in Germany, he claimed to have dreams and visions of a beautiful, dark-haired woman who would be the love of his life. Hmm. And he said that he claimed an ancestor named Countess Anna Constantia von Kossel, which I'm assuming is where he got the von Kossel, yeah. came to him and showed him the face of this exotic woman who would be the love of his life. According to his autobiography, after he left Germany before the beginning of World War I, he did a lot of weird shit. So he traveled to India, then he stopped in Australia to, quote, collect supplies and equipment on his way to the South Sea Islands, which I didn't even know were a thing. Equipment? Equipment, yeah. So he was, like, he was down in Australia, like, literally testing the waters. He wanted to see, like all of the current patterns and all of that kind of stuff. So, Because he wanted to build a ship to go to oh. these South Sea Islands. Okay. And various equipment and supplies and whatever else. But he loved Australia because, duh. And he stayed there for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he was buying properties, including an island. Nice. Boats. How do he, you have this money? I don't know. <laughs> I really what don't know. I mean, it was the 1800s. Things cost like four cents. So, <laughs> But still, that was a lot. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> He would work months for those four cents. (laughs) So he got interested in, like, electrical work while he was there. Mm -hmm. It was strange. So while he was in the middle of trying to build his own boat, he was placed in an Australian internment camp because German during World War I. Duh, yeah. 
when he was released, he wasn't allowed to go back to his property in Australia for some reason. That was, like, anybody who got out of those camps weren't allowed to go back to their home for whatever reason. So he was shipped to Holland and then went to Germany to find his mother because he hadn't heard from her since mm-hmm. before the war. So he wanted to go see if she was okay. Mm-hmm. And she was. So he stayed with her for three years. And then he married his wife, Doris Schaefer, changed her name to Doris Tanzler, around 1920, and then moved to the United States where his sister was already living and he wanted to come here and live here with her in, yeah. in the U.S. of A. So already a fucking wild ride, okay? Just, like, full of weird side quests and, like, odd little hobbies. So did he drop his whole boat idea? I guess so. Sounds like ADHD mania to me, <laughs> but, but what do I know about that? <laughs> Just kidding. I know Just all about lot. that. <laughs> Just a lot. Yeah, the, the, uh, that's me. Let me tell you, if I had the weird money he had, I'd be doing weird shit too. <laughs> so, however, this is not the interesting part of the story. So he settled in Zephyr Hills in Florida with his wife, had two daughters, one of whom died at the age of 10. Aww. Of diphtheria. So a few years later, he completely abandoned his family, like just up and left them. Sounds to- like a man. <laughs> right. <laughs> To go work as a radiology technician at the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key West. Because I guess back then, literally anyone could say they were a doctor. Probably, yeah. Like, he just, he just showed up and was I'm like... I'm a count. I'm a count. I'm an x-ray tech. I build boats. I be doing electrical work. I'm a prisoner of war. I'm everything but a husband, I guess. I'm a jack of all trades. But master of none. <laughs> so at this point, he's going by Carl von Kossel. Carl with a C this time. Okay. So, let me tell you about my sis, Elena. Okay. Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos was born in 1909 in Cuba and moved to Key West with her family, which included her parents, Francisco and Aurora, and her two sisters, Florinda and Celia. In 1926, at the age of 15, she married her husband, Luis Mesa, who left her almost immediately and moved to Miami right after she had a miscarriage and lost their future little baby, which... What the fuck? That guy's scum. But, like, Elena keeps getting tangled up with shitty men, and sis don't deserve it. Aww. See, she is, like, by all accounts, like, a beauty. Mm-hmm. Like, she is, like, a gorgeous girl, mm-hmm. loved by all, etc. Mm-hmm. So, a few years later, in April of 1930, Elena's mother took her to get an exam at the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key oh, West, no. where two horrible things happened. First... She was diagnosed with tuberculosis, which was considered a fucking death sentence Mm -hmm. at the time. And she met Carl Tanzler. I knew it. Yes. Like I said, back then, tuberculosis was, like, almost guaranteed to kill you. It basically wiped out her whole family. Like, besides her, I think, her parents. But I know there was, like, a bunch of information about all the weird deaths that her family suffered. Maybe it was cursed. Could have been. Maybe also, she... wasn't this guy, like, many years older than her? Yes, she point? was 20. He was 53. Gross. Yep. But. Okay. Oh, you don't even, you don't, e- you don't even know where this is going. <laughs> Just a casual reminder that my parents are 20 years different. And when they met, my mom was 25 and my dad was 45. And after, like, 18 years of marriage, they are blissfully divorced. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is mm-hmm. what it is. I don't know. It turns out if you marry someone twice your age, one day you'll want different things out of yeah. life. <laughs> Who, Who could, could have seen, seen that, that coming? coming? But except for literally everyone, including my grandma. Oh shit! <laughs> Grandmas know. Well, moms, you know. Moms, moms know. know. Yeah, <laughs> my mom. I mean, I've told you, my mom like uh, adopted all of my friends, mm-hmm. but there was like one or two that right from the get go, she's like, I don't like them, and I was like, what? Why? And then yep. a few months later, I was like, oh, yep, that's why. That's the same thing with my mom. She just knew. Anyway, the second Tanzler saw Elena, he claimed he recognized her as the woman from his visions during his childhood. Oh, no. And was immediately obsessed with her. Like, this gorgeous, exotic, dark-haired woman, but let's be honest, girl. She was 20. Yeah. So... A lot of people have gorgeous, dark hair, but... Right? Okay. I mean, neither of us, but... No, yeah, not us, but you know. (laughs) So keep in mind, she's 20, he's 53... They're both legally married to other people. Mm-hmm. So just just keep that in mind while all this is happening. That's never stopped nobody. Well, it, I would hope it stops at least some people, but... Yeah, I would hope so, too, but you'd be surprised. <laughs> so as soon as Carl sees her, 
he just is immediately obsessed, like I said, and he vows to do everything he can to save Elena from tuberculosis, Mm -hmm. despite not having any actual medical training. Oh, Jesus Christ. Which he, of course, does not reveal to her family. He's like, hello, it's me, Dr. Carl. Let me save Elena. I love her. Dr. Carl Von Count Man. Yeah. Von (laughs) Doucheface. Von Doucheface. So Carl, like, secretly collected and stole all of this, like, medical and x-ray equipment, medicines, and then made a bunch of, like, homemade potions and elixirs and brought it all to Elena's family home to try and heal her. Because he's like, yo, bring her home. I got you. I'm a fucking doctor. I'm going to save her. Just trust me, sis. I'd be like, where are your credentials, Mr. Von Count, man? Yeah, show me your credentials, sir, before you start putting weird elixirs on me or in me or whatever. Fucking weirdo. So all the while, he's, like, showering her with gifts, giving her clothes and jewelry and flowers and trinkets and, like, openly professing his love for her. And she's just kind of like, okay. Just save me, doc. Yeah, she's just very much like I like. There's no evidence from anyone to suggest that she reciprocated any of this. Mm-hmm. Like to be honest, she was just like laying in a bed dying, and yeah. this random old man was like, "Don't worry, I'll save you." And she was like, "Okay." But also, I love you. Yeah, and I still want to know where he's getting all that money to buy that shit. Right, like it's all fucking bizarre. <laughs> like it just like right from the get go, right out of the gate, this guy's fucking bonkers. There's clearly a lot of stuff going on in his head. Yeah. I don't know how many of his thoughts are on any kind of track. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of this is planned. He just seems like hopped from one obsession to the next, and Elena seemed to be his, like, permanent obsession. That's true, because I was just kind of wondering, since he's already in his 50s, if there has been, like, a... I mean, this is a long time ago, so I don't know if there's been, like, a pattern of that while he was, like, in Australia or, you know. So, there's not, like, a ton of information besides his autobiography, which was pretty much just published in, like, circulars. Like, they weren't, it wasn't, like, a paperback book you could go buy. And I'm sure it was super biased anyway. Right, like, this is clearly a man who's not operating on all cylinders. I would not trust his autobiography. Hell no. I was, like, when you said that he wrote an autobiography, I was, like, what? The fuck? Yeah. And he, like, admits to a lot of weird stuff, and it it seemed like he hyped up a lot of other weird stuff and downplayed a lot of other weird stuff. I don't know. It just seemed all over the place from the little synopsis that I was reading. Yeah. So it seemed like there was a lot going on in his head, and not not a lot of it made sense. (laughs) Which, again, (laughs) ADHD mania, man. I'm telling ya. So... Unsurprisingly, none of this medical intervention by this fucking rando with no medical training did not fucking work. And Elena died on October 25th, 1931 in her parents' home in Key West. That's so sad. Right. So, I mean, it's like kind of from the get-go, diagnosed with tuberculosis, they pretty much knew that this was most likely going to happen, but Jesus Christ. I kind of wonder what he was like mixing together like what he was giving her right like what could it be and if you, there was any thought process you know when you're like it. a little kid and you go and you're playing outside and you're like mashing berries in a bucket and of you're course. like this is my potion of course it's probably just that yeah literally he goes <laughs> it's just berries it's just in the woods. rainwater and some leaves he found he just mashed them in a bucket and was like i made you this he picked some berries in the woods and didn't realize they were poisonous oh no he's like here these look like blueberries blooms death so after she died with her family's permission Carl paid for her funeral and even an entire above-ground mausoleum for Elena, which only he had the key to, which is red flag number six fucking hundred, bro. I'm not sure why her family allowed that. I was Maybe thinking it was this... just because he had money. Maybe yeah, they didn't. And it was just like, yeah, sure, give our daughter Definitely. a nice funeral, I guess. Random Definitely. man who failed to save her. You owe us this, if anything. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe if they were, like, super religious people, they would have wanted to bury her properly and in a nice way, so they saw this as an opportunity. Right. And didn't recognize the red flags. Could be. And around that time, there was no uh, key copying places, like, at Home Depot. Right, you can't just go up to the kiosk. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't have that. It's just an old-fashioned, creepy little mausoleum key. (laughs) So, with his creepy little mausoleum key that only he had... For the next two years, Carl visited Elena every night, and he even claimed that, like, her ghost would appear in the mausoleum with him while he sang her Spanish songs. So he would just creep into her mausoleum, sit with her decaying body, and sing to her. Did he learn Spanish? Maybe. 
and he would like bring her gifts and sing to her and he said that her ghost would show up and that's not weird enough right the fuck he also said that her ghost kept telling him that she wanted him to take her body out of the grave anatoly he kept saying oh she was telling me to bring her home she didn't want to be alone in the mausoleum oh my goodness right buddy so after two years of visiting her he decided the long distance relationship was too hard and in April of 1933, he brought along a little toy wagon on oh, his Jesus visit to see Elena and dragged her decaying body back to his house. How? Where are the people? Yeah. I don't know. It's Key West, man. It's Florida. Keep this in. It's fucking Florida, in the yo. 1900s. The... Yeah. What the fuck? So he gets a rotting corpse back to his house and immediately sets to work trying to fix her up. Because it's been in there for two fucking years in Florida, okay? Oh, Jesus. So he fixed her bones back together with piano wire and wire hangers. Like, literally, like, pulled her back together and stuck her together with wires. Oh, my God. He put glass eyes in her face because her eyes had, like, melted away. Where do you get the glass eyes? I don't know. Work, But they're very convincing if you look at the pictures. There's pictures? Oh, there are a million pictures. Oh my god, there are so many pictures of her body. You have to show me. And there's pictures of him too. He looks like fucking Sigmund Freud, which makes sense. So That does make a lot of we're sense. We're definitely going to put pictures of her okay. on the Instagram because there are a thousand and, and I need they're to see them after terrifying. This. That's crazy. Put the glass eyes in her face and as her fucking skin fell apart because she was decaying, mm-hmm. he soaked pieces of silk in wax and kind of patched it onto her with plaster of Paris oh, and like filled the gaps yeah. in her with plaster of Paris and then put this silk over her to like act as skin. Mm-hmm. And he collected her hair as it fell out. Oh. And also, like, I guess as soon as she died, he asked for some of her hair from her mother and her mother just gave it to him. Which, mom, what the fuck are you doing? Maybe he was like, I need this for scientific purposes. Right. <laughs> so. He made it into a wig and put it on her head because her fucking hair kept falling out. Oh, God. And I guess there was one article I read that, like, he supplemented some of her hair with other hair that he just... I don't know where he was getting it, but, like, other people's hair that was dark because her head looked patchy. Oh, Jesus. Well, she's been dead for years, so... Where's he getting his hair? So, like Anatoly, he filled her body with rags. So, her abdomen cavity was, like collapsing and she had like not much of a torso left so he stuffed her with rags to like keep her form that's crazy yeah and since obviously this fucking decaying carcass reeked he was constantly dousing her in like oils and perfumes and preserving agents to try to like slow down the decomposition and make her not fucking smell bad perfume ain't gonna cover death (laughs) right it barely covers bo like you if there's a dead body in a house, you can smell it outside, Oh, man. 100%. Ugh. So he was constantly dressing her in nice clothes. He held her. She slept in his bed. He carried her to the kitchen. She would be sitting on the couch. Oh, God. And most morbidly, he inserted a paper tube where her vagina had <gasps> been so that he could still have sex with her. No. And keep in mind, obviously there was none of that shit when she was alive. Oh, no. Yeah. That's the most upsetting part, was that he went to the link to give her a fucking paper mache vagina. Oh, God. Yep. Oh, God. So, he, basically, at this point, I don't know how much of Elena is actually left. She's just a pile of, like, rags and fake silk skin and fucking plaster of Paris and fake eyes. Like, all that's left is maybe, like, her bones and some of her hair. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, is he just closing his eyes? I, I don't know, oh, man. Oh, Jesus Christ. How? Oh. Okay. So this goes on for seven years. So seven years of him keeping her as his literal fucking corpse bride, dressing her, talking to her, making her meals, bringing her gifts all the time, reading to her, singing to her. One night in 1940, he forgot to close the curtains. Uh-oh. And a boy in his neighborhood saw Carl dancing in his living room with what he thought was a giant doll. Oh, gross. Yep. So this was after, of course, like, neighbors had been suspicious about what he was always doing because he was always, like, acting weird and bringing home women's clothing and they just thought it was fucking bizarre. Mm-hmm. And they kind of all were suspicious that he had Elena Really? In his house or something similar. Not that he was, like, cross-dressing or something. No, because they they knew how weird he was and how, like, obsessed he was with her. 
Wow. So they, it was kind of their suspicion, that or something similar, you know? Mm-hmm. And then this boy saw him dancing in the living room and told somebody, and that's kind of when the jig was up. So after Elena's sister, Florinda, heard about this, she went over to his house to ask what the fuck was going on because people were pretty much already assuming what the deal was. Mm -hmm. So he willingly brought her into the house and was like, oh yeah, she's right upstairs. Oh God. No problem, sis. You want to come see her? Why haven't you visited earlier? So he took her up and she saw Elena in his bed. Fucking imagine her shock, okay? Like she just saw the body of her sister who'd been dead for seven years, all like, plastered up and yeah. painted over with makeup and fucking paint Gross. and shit. Oh yeah. My God. So obviously she called the cops and Carl was arrested for quote wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. So obviously he went through a few rounds of psychological evaluation and he was deemed fit to stand trial for his fucking weird ass crimes. Interesting. And he went to a he- one hearing. Mm-hmm. So they had one hearing. And then the charges were dropped because Florida. Yeah. Just kidding. Because of our old foe, Statute of Limitations. Nice. Seven years was long enough. The crimes had basically expired. So, of course, this is a fucking fucked up story. So it blew up as much as it could in 1940 and was sensationalized. And for some reason, mostly because Florida, Elena's body was put on public display at Dean Lopez Funeral Home, where almost 7,000 people came to see her. That's Because this story horrifying. was put in the media, and people were like, yeah, I want to fucking see that, so they just rolled up to see her body. Like, this girl got no peace. That's disgusting. This was just a random 20-year-old girl. Like, that's me five years ago. Mm-hmm. That's a college student. That's disgusting. Who is being preyed upon and obsessed over by this fucking old-ass creepy man, who's married, by the way, and... She, he fucking stole her body, kept her in his house for seven years, and even after that, after he's busted, she still doesn't get any peace, and she's just put out That's for people disgusting. to look at, to ogle. Like, she's a fucking circus attraction. I can't believe that. That's the... Fucking Florida, man! Which makes sense. Yeah! And then after all of this, she was buried in an unmarked grave somewhere. So that he couldn't go find her and dig her up again. Or somebody else couldn't bother her since she'd been through enough. I don't understand. But, like, in an unmarked grave. At that, eventually just dumped in a hole. I don't understand when they decided to put her on display why the family couldn't do something about that. Yeah. That makes no sense. I don't know. It's... That's disgusting. All of it's very upsetting. So, possibly most shocking of all, the general public seemed to really sympathize with Carl. No one thought he was a fucking weirdo. They labeled him like an eccentric romantic who would go to great lengths to be with the woman he loved for forever. This girl didn't know him. He was just the random guy who showed up and said, don't worry, I'll heal you. And then he didn't. He fucking killed her, basically. Like, it's it's not a love story. Mm -hmm. It's a weird obsession story. And people thought he was just such a cute, hopeless, romantic old man. Like, at this point, he's, like, fucking 60. When you're talking about the whole romanticism aspects of that and how it's really not. Yeah. And it's disgusting. I'm thinking of the movie Corpse Bride, obviously. Right. And I'm wondering if they got some sort of inspiration from that because technically in the movie, he's about to get married to this woman that he doesn't really connect with. Oh, okay. I've never seen the movie, so... Yeah, so he runs off into the woods on their, like, night where they're, like, getting engaged or whatever, and he accidentally, um, makes the dead chick, Emily, rise from the grave, (laughs) and she is convinced that they're married now, because he, like, her hand was, like, sticking up out of the ground, and he put, like, a ring on, because it looked like a twig, he put the ring, his ring on it, and so she thought That's they so were married. Creepy. Yeah, and the thing is, is, like, he's not into it <clears throat> at all, and she's like, no, we're married now, and then she, like, brings him into the underworld. Sick. And, I mean, the movie's awesome. It's Tim Burton, but at the same time, it's like, he wasn't feeling it till, you know. <laughs> that was not his vibe, man. Far into the movie. <laughs> he said hard pass, but, like. Yeah, he did. Gotta get that dead girl coochie. That's what it reminded me of. It's like, he wasn't feeling it, man. No. <laughs> it's kind of like a role reversal, but yeah, I yeah. wonder if it's like, if there's any 
he drew any inspiration from the story. Definitely. Could be. Uh, so in the end, after the case was dropped, Carl moved to Pasco County, Florida, near his family in Zephyr Hills, and wrote an autobiography, and was, like, basically supported financially by his fucking wife, Doris. After, this bitch was still there. Yes. After all of this, like, literally abandoning her and their child after their other child died, and then doing all of this shit for, like, fucking ten years, she's still, like, yeah, come back home, I guess. So he She's just as crazy. He didn't live with them, but he lived near them. And she, like, basically supported him. That's disgusting. Yeah. So, and then... I guess when Elena first died, Carl made a mold of her face and then created a death mask, Mm -hmm. which I guess he had had all along, and he used it to create a life-sized effigy of Elena. So the doll lived with him until he died at the age of 75 in July of 1952, where his body was discovered on the floor behind his organ in the arms of fake Elena. Gross. Yep. So, there are plenty of people who really assert that Carl actually did switch the bodies last minute, or he secretly found her, or somehow her body was returned to him after she was buried again, and that he actually lived the rest of his life with her real corpse. Whether or not that's true, who fucking knows? But, like, holy shit, I would not put it past him I was just gonna say, I would not. I would believe it. But it's also been reported that he actually did kill her while she was on her deathbed and he did it like i guess to prevent any more suffering and he's like well you're gonna die you're suffering time for me to fucking poison you i guess so whether it was intentional or not i'm sure he had some hand in her death oh yeah but there are people who say that he did it intentionally to relieve her suffering that's not reported on as frequently so i don't know but it seems very possible for him i think maybe he did it intentionally so that i think this might have been premeditated (laughs) i think it was premeditated okay All right, true crime bitch, I see you. You're welcome. I think that he kind of, his whole idea was just like, the sooner this is over, this sort of I can get to The sooner I can take her home, bitch. Yeah. Because obviously she's not taking my advances. That dead girl paper coochie that I'm going to make for her. Like, she's not taking my advances. It's obvious that she's she's accepting the gifts and stuff, but she's not reciprocating anything. I mean, how much can you reciprocate when you're dying of tuberculosis and there's an old creepy man? Well, he expects a lot, probably. Oh my god. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, the point is, he's a creep. He's not a hopeless romantic. Mm -mm. He's a creep. He's an old man who was obsessed with a girl who barely knew him. He kept her corpse in his bed for years and then somehow passed psychological evaluation and won the public's compassion. You know why? Because white men. And Florida. And Florida! Because Florida! Literally, if you take any case of obsessive stalking nowadays towards women, and you're like, oh... People are like, why didn't you just give them a chance? Well, no. If if they're like, oh, that's so gross, but then you look at this and think it's, like, super romantic, like, no, it's the same fucking thing. Like, shut the fuck up. That's disgusting. She did not fucking consent to any of this. Her family did not consent to any of this. This is... If someone is not reciprocating, just leave them the fuck alone. The fact that, like, after all of this, to be like, wow, that poor guy. No. Hopeless romantic, so adorable. Absolutely not. 10 out of 10 would go back in time to chop off his dick. Kill that man. He would have made himself a paper mache dick. (laughs) To go with her... Yeah. (laughs) Anyway... That's crazy. Do you see how, like, wildly similar our stories were? That yeah. they were, like, going to visit the graves of these people and, like, communicating with them and then taking them from their resting place, not in a malicious way because they cared about them, and then stuffing them with rags. They're so similar, yet so, like, intentionally different, just in the way that, um... I mean, they had... No, oh! Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. Um, I didn't write it down, so I guess that's how I forgot. But his eventual plan was to keep her body in some kind of rocket that he was going to launch into space and, like, penetrating the atmosphere was going to bring her back to life. Okay, Elon Musk. Yes. (laughs) Wow. I can't. I genuinely can't believe I forgot that part, but he mentioned that a couple of times. So not only can he build boats and do electrical stuff and be a doctor, he can build rockets. He was in no way in the process of making this rocket or anything like that. He was just like, but one day I'll take you to space and the stars will bring you back to life, sis. Don't worry. I just feel like with like 
Anatoly, like, the intentions were different in that, like, it wasn't benefiting him. It was benefiting, well, quote-unquote, it was benefiting the children. Right, he thought it was going to yeah. save whereas them. with this dude, it's, like, selfishness and oh, yeah. disgusting shit. A million percent. Yeah. And, like, Weird obviously they're both fuck. sick, but, like, very I upsetting. Don't know. Very upsetting. Yeah, it's just very strange. Ugh. So anyway, um, it's crazy. That's people doing fucked up shit to dead bodies. And I'm sure we're going to be able to do part twos and threes because there's a lot of that shit. I mean, people have done a lot more fucked up shit to dead bodies, I guess, with more malicious intent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, all right. So that concludes episode whatever number this is, like 14 or something. We're already losing count. I don't even know anymore. It's too late for this. We were at work today and... I have watermelon in my throat. I don't know. <laughs> Things aren't going well for me. You do have watermelon stuck in your throat from Saturday, so. This is pup setting. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you guys have any, like, recommendations for any kind of topics you'd like us to cover, Definitely. let us know. Like, we have a, a list of things we want to do episodes on one day, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there's a fuck ton of cool shit we're missing. Yeah. If you have any suggestions, let us know. If you have any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at ucf.pod at gmail. Or you can follow us, like us, DM us, whatever us. Send us memes. Send us memes, please. Like our (laughs) memes. Um, On Instagram and Twitter, both at UCF Podcast. In the meantime, stay spooky, my friends. Bye.